there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Mm, hey, hello, welcome to the show. So before I was saying the welcome, I was just thinking like every time I do an intro to this show, I'm not really sure of what words to use at the very start. I don't typically script it. Uh, I guess there's so, only so many ways you can say hello or welcome. Uh, maybe I need to come up with something more uh, inventive or just uh, a catchphrase or something like that. But anyway, hello, welcome to the uh, episode. Uh, just a couple of things before we get into talking about this week's show. My voice is getting a bit hoarse as well, so I want to try and get this recorded before I lose it. It's a Friday night and uh, the episode is released on Monday. probably won't get a chance to do any more recording of the intros till... Uh, after the weekend so good numbers this weekend listenership was where it was wednesday had a big spike normally the shortest lowest number for the week is wednesday this week it was the highest maybe something to do with the newsletter pamphlety type thing i send out on a monday to those that have subscribed which you can do through the website so there was a spike in not only newer episodes but older ones the john caulfield episode was a, a big number this week uh, andrew mangan one so so that's cool people are checking into the the previous ones maybe they've just started to listen recently and are, are looking at the uh, the archives which is always a good thing i had one idea this week if there was any guest that you really liked from the first 37 and another seven or eight to go before we get to the, around the 50 mark that would be cool to get back on for a second episode that we could go into another area or deeper into their story. I'd love to hear. I know just from a listenership perspective, John Caulfield is is the most listened to. And that's probably, you know, the one that's out the longest. Dave Saunders' is, uh, one is also quite well listened to. Yeah, so if you have any ideas, give me a shout and I certainly will try and make that happen. In the last week or so, some some of the feedback I have got or just ideas was around guests to follow up with. Um, and two or three of those are actually going to happen. So thanks to those folks that have reached out and suggested a couple of names, gave me a link or an email to follow up on. And uh, those people are on board with coming on to the show so i'm not going to share any names just yet until it actually happens but that's really cool that's things stand i have another five recorded and seven or so seven or eight names guaranteed uh, so i'm coming up near the 50 mark as it is in in scheduling so yeah definitely we'll hit that number before the end of the year i believe unless something drastic happens uh, between now and and then uh, a couple of maybe episodes over over christmas when everybody's chilling out might be a good time to release some stuff then okay so this week's episode is an awesome one it's uh I'll, I'll restrain myself from making any puns around magic or spellbound or mesmerizing but with uh jerk carney who's a cork magician he um certainly has the ability to to do all those things in his story he'll tell you as you'll hear he started out acting he was in the war of the buttons he was a prominent character in that when he was uh, quite young 11 or 12 years of age even after that he was in the wind that shakes the barley but it was actually during the shooting of war of the buttons that he got exposed to magic for the first time he actually did a little performance at the end of the uh, the shoot the rap party and it's safe to say from there he was hooked he really started to focus his time 
on learning how to do tricks, card tricks, especially in the early years. He was a big fan of Paul Daniels. He was lucky enough to meet him and had spent three hours with him in like in a master class workshop. So he obviously had talent that was very visible to those in the know in the game. And as you'll hear during the story, things that jump out are focus, dedication, passion, self-belief, determination. All of these things are dripping uh, of of uh, Jared, as you will hear during during this show. I don't want to give out too much away. There's there's a lot to listen to, and I'm sure if you have any interest in magic, like uh, like I said in the teaser episode, if you probably think about it when you were growing up, you'll always remember the first magic trick that you've seen. Something that is wonderful about it, something that sticks, brings you back to your childhood in some ways. Jervisley has had that bug from from a very young age and has lived it and it's turned into his his livelihood and he's very successful at what he does. He's working every weekend, which is tough, but he said himself, as you will hear, he has a very good work-life balance uh, as things stand. So as I'm getting uh, pretty hoarse and can't talk that much, I'm going to leave it there. People probably saying, thankfully, you can connect with Jared on his website, corkmagician.ie. He's on Facebook, Jared Kearney, the magician. We did a video for this show. I put it out on Friday in conjunction with the um, the short teaser episode. It's on my Facebook page. Jared has shared it out there as well. I've put it up on LinkedIn. I have a YouTube channel. It's there as well. I'd love if you checked it out. You get to see Jared in action to do doing a trick with some cards, which was really cool. And uh, at the end of the, the podcast, he also does a trick which um, blew my mind. Literally, he, he read my mind. So there's a thing to look forward to there as well. Yeah, look, I'll leave it there. I'll let you enjoy the show. And if you do, and I know I always say it, but please share it on Facebook within your own network. That's where the reach for the podcast will grow. Uh, retweet it if you get it on Twitter. That again will expand the reach that the, uh, the the episodes get. That will you know further extend the potential listenership, and hopefully they'll get something out of it. And thank you for doing that as well so yeah have a great week enjoy the show with jared kearney thanks bye welcome jared thank you very much how are you today i'm very well very excited to do this yeah I'm, thanks for having me yeah no looking forward to doing it i was getting excited in our uh, offline conversation so we said we better get on to the, <laughs> to the show as quickly as possible so yeah. jared you're an award-winning magician yes i have some other lines here you were voted Dan Foley, Magician of the Year in 2000. Yes. Okay. Yes. You're a past champion of the International Brotherhood of Magicians. Yes. And in my research as well, I see that you're a bit of a movie star. Uh, movie star? No, but I have been in some movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, war, yeah. War, war of the Buttons and Win the Chicks the Party are kind they're, of two well-known yeah, no, ones. They were, like. they, they, were, they were really good ones and uh, they were like really, really good um, movies to be part of. I was yeah. very, very lucky. Uh, no, I, I I don't say movie star obviously because I, I, I I'm I'm not working as a, an actor for a living. Sure, sure. But, um, but I would imagine you know getting straight into being a magician. I suppose some of the skills you learned in the early stages acting yes. brings the performance into the magician's world. Would that be yes. fair to say? Yes, it, it, yes, it would. And I think before I discovered magic, I always knew I would like acting. Okay. Um, but uh, I stumbled up upon acting um it wasn't something that um i actually set out to do it was very accidental 
and uh, so I was fortunate in the right place at the right time. Okay, so today, what would a typical day in the, in the life of, of the magician of Derek Kearney do now? Typical yeah. weekend, maybe? So my work when I'm performing, so I suppose my work, like everybody else's job, is divided into multiple parts. So just the performance, which is the end result, I suppose, yeah. what, is what you see. Um, that normally takes place at the weekends. Now, it would also happen midweek, and that wouldn't be very uncommon, but mostly would happen on weekends. Uh, I would set out maybe for my gigs on a Friday and Saturday, sometimes a Sunday, sometimes a Thursday. Mm-hmm. So my weekend can be, uh, it var- uh, yeah, varies uh, every weekend, but typically I would have no less than four gigs a weekend mm. uh, and maybe up to 10 wow. um, in a weekend. So um, mostly I work in a close-up situation. Uh, so it's all close-up, which means I'm in parties where there's large numbers where I I'm booked, let's say, to do a wedding. Mm-hmm. And on the arrivals reception, I would mingle amongst guests and entertain each group of people for about maybe five to ten minutes at a time and repeat that process to, like, cover the whole area. Mm-hmm. And that would be, a like, a two-hour booking. Um, so, and I would do this multiple times in a weekend, and that's my typical working weekend. Right. And we definitely get into some questions around, I guess, the the reactions maybe from different types mm-hmm. of audiences that are you know from different age groups I'd like to yeah. kind of dig into that but I'm more fascinated about how you actually got into the whole world yeah. of, of magic yes. and and you even, maybe even touch on the acting and how that well actually they're, they're, they're kind of intertwined a little okay. bit so um, uh, I was 12 years old and we I went on a holiday with a friend and a friend's parents uh, I say holiday it was to Ballymacoda Okay. And we went down to the caravan park and the weather was awful. It was awful. Right. We were supposed to be down there for like 10 days or something. And okay. three days later, we said we better come back because well, we were all stuck in the caravan. <laughs> so it was just typical Irish yeah. uh, holiday. And uh, so we came back like after three days and bumped into a group of friends on the day we came back. And they're all heading up the road to the, what was called the Country Club Hotel, which is now the Montanati Hotel. Okay. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll come along. So I didn't know what we were going for. And there was queues and there was hundreds and hundreds of people up there. And uh, so we went in and we uh, all auditioned. So we, I knew I was auditioning for something, but I wasn't right. really sure what. I thought it was might have been some play or something that was happening. Um, and I got these callbacks. Like I got a call. Uh, my friends were told away and I got these callbacks. I think I got like four callbacks. and. Mm. Two days. And you were at 11 at this time or so? I was 12. 12, okay. 12. And I'm thinking, okay. And uh, the next day, the Sunday, they've asked me to come in and meet the director. And I was told then it was for a movie that was going to be made in the summer in Cork. And I'm like, whoa, okay. So mm. I've changed everything, right? So now I'm getting nervous. Right. Um, but we went and we, uh, I did the audition and that was it. I didn't hear anything else. Um, I knew I did well. Yeah. I knew I did. I knew I and what you know, did you I, have to do in the audition? Was it a few lines, um, a bit of physical so acting? So it was the Hubbards who casted, the Hubbard Casting, who'd be, they'd be a really big casting agency right. back then. And, probably, you know, they did things like The Commitments and they did a lot of Marilyn Parker movies and right. and so on. And I think they did bigger stuff like Lord of the Rings and okay. things like that. So they're, they were very established. I don't think they're in casting anymore. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think right. they're involved in both the uh, production side and casting side. No, but um, they had a... A particular way of auditioning and they just wanted to give you kind of scenarios and kind of just let it happen right and your job then was to kind of be as convincing as you can and that really suited me that style of auditioning really suited me right right because i was left to kind of 
I didn't have to meet anybody else's standard. I felt that if I, you know, it just all in all the auditions I've done, whenever we did these kind of casual free form, like almost improv, almost improv, it? it is improv, and yeah. that's exactly what it is. The improv, I, I always kind of I felt very comfortable with that, and I knew I did well. But when I was leaving, um, Roz came down to my parents and said, "Look, he's a very good kid. He's done really well." Thanks a minute. We let you know if anything happens. And my parents looked at us, okay, nothing's going to happen here. That's right. It. So uh, a couple of weeks passed and that was it. Uh, your child, you're 12 years old. After a day, it's gone out of your head. Nothing mm. happened. I'm playing tennis or something at the end of the street. And there was a phone call for me. And uh, so I went home and yeah, I've landed a part in The War of the Buttons. Wow. Warner Brothers production. And I was like, wow, that was brilliant. <laughs> and I actually got the part of Chick, which was a, a smaller part on the opposite side of what I played. And we had two weeks rehearsal and just because of different things, that's, uh, you know, I don't know what the decision makers are thinking at the time, but yeah. they bumped me up to Big Con, which was like second on the credits. Ooh. And it was like, a, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was a good bump up for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so um, I was uh, happy with that. So I got that part in more of the buttons mm. and that brings us into magic. So just on that, I'm <clears> just fascinated again, like when that. That, like that would that could that could global kind of oh, that was a global release yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah global release yeah no it was I mean it was a full on Warner Brothers production yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. David Putnam it was you and know. did you have to do like the whole campaign touring around we Mar- did a little bit of it because and, I think they were very so conscious of the, the, ki- the fact that we were kids hmm. uh, and when it was released it was probably coming into school term as well yeah. so um, right. it, I think that they were very con- I, I know that, that like I know definitely Greg Fitzgerald and a couple of the other like the, like the big leagues right. lead, lead actors and actresses uh, they they definitely had to do some uh, mm. promo work, but uh, I, I didn't do so much. I didn't. Okay. Do so much. I mean, we we did all the local stuff, like yeah, yeah. everything local, radio mm. stations, and we um, myself and a couple of other people are in it. We opened the actual Douglas Cinema when it was all <laughs> cool. so good. we cut the ribbon for oh, it. Okay. So there's all these little things that did so happen. The picture still up in Douglas Cinema. I, I doubt it. So. Yeah, so there were all those things that happened within that short period. But again, like, I mean, I had no idea what these things meant at the time. Yeah. So I'd probably forgotten half the things we've done. Yeah. You know? And you had no um, acting lessons prior to that? No, I, I think my parents did try to get me to go to some drama school or uh, drama classes, mm. and I hated them. Right. Um, I really hated them. Um, no, doesn't it? It, it? It's weird because, you know, because of my job now and the fact I've done acting, you'd think that I was this, like, really confident person naturally and I was the opposite which is why I hated drama because all the kids in drama class they were all like you know mm. putting their acting side out and putting their smile the on and hands. I would be very self-conscious I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah, have done yeah. that you know yeah. but I think that worked in my favour actually yeah. because it made me a very natural actor and mm. that's what they're looking for in screen mm. as opposed to in drama school you're thought to um, be as dramatic as you can and, mm. and, and a big expression so it would translate across yeah. a theatre and so on it's just because Lorna was in the other day, the actor, yeah. and we talk about actor and actress, but she was an introverted growing up as well, in a way, and she said she loved stepping out of Lorna Quinn into this role that yeah. you could be free, in a way, because it's not yeah. being you, and it sounded kind and of similar. And it like. links back into the improv stuff, like, you yeah. know, it probably is all connected in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, very cool. Sorry, you were, so that was leading into... It was leading into... So, as part to Keep Us Kids, there's 18 principal actors uh, in West Cork, and, you know... That brings its own, let's say, trouble. We're done here for three months and we're shooting a movie. Our parents aren't there. We have chaperones. We need to be controlled and entertained, right? So, and and then work efficiently. So, as part of it, they thought it would be a great idea to keep us focused on something outside of acting, outside of rehearsals and everything else, which was very job-like. We should have something that should be fun-like. 
and the idea was that we should put on a show for all the cast and crew and that show should be ready by the end of the, when, at the rap party we should be performing this show to, to everybody right. and I thought well I know what I want to do I want to do I want to do magic because mm. I remember down there actually I remember a couple of tricks that I learned on set from from the crew members right uh, and um, one was with a piece of string and it just it was just a feeling of of wow what is this like this mm. this is oh, this is unbelievable mm. uh, I, I want more of this yeah. so I uh, that was that was my kind of intro to magic okay. I I always had tricks beforehand um but like they always made me feel a certain way right and it was always very positive and something that I knew I wanted to explore more so uh, my parents brought down a Paul Daniels magic set uh, for me and legend. Uh, I, I I practiced and practiced for um, this rap party show and I did my first probably the worst magic show that ever that was ever performed because <laughs> I've never seen somewhere. a real magician before yeah. I've never seen anything before but I just knew I liked it sure. and, uh, so that was my first intro to to magic okay so that was your first encounter with illusions and yeah I think so you said earlier there how it made you feel um yeah. Was it how how was it just making when you were doing it on your own? Is that what you meant? How it was making feel, or were you getting when you were getting a reaction from some? Like I say, um, I could definitely tell you the performance side of it wasn't what I was chasing, and some people think that like it's to fool people that I I don't I'm not interested in fooling people, and I I I really dislike that term. I don't. It's not. It's not that either. Yeah. It, It was that feeling of wonder. That, and I think why I do magic is I'm constantly chasing that first feeling of of, of how I felt that time. Mm. I just saw something that was almost like a secret and that was just, it just, you know, made me sit up. Right. And, it, it, and I, I've i been chasing that ever since, you know, I've been chasing and I wanted to kind of replicate that as much as I can. Mm. Uh, and I have to remind myself of that every time as well. You know, that's what it's all about. It is about wonder. It's about creating. It's about that warm feeling, you know, yeah, it's about yeah. that... Uh, yeah, hmm. very interesting. So, so that your that was your first. That was my first encounter. There was a couple of other, let's say, key moments which I remember, which mm. changed things. Um, so, I mean, I still wasn't a magician at that stage. Yeah, I still I, I didn't become a magician from that moment, uh, but it was my first real memory of being introduced to magic. But I mean, I'm introduced to magic in. At that stage, I was introduced to magic in a way that everybody else is a Paul Daniels set, which yeah. isn't really, you're not really on the inside at that sure. stage, right? So, was he regarded in that magic circle as a, was he even in the circle or would he? Yeah, would he, 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 Paul Daniels always was like, he was, he was the top guy, you know? Right. Like, yeah, he was. I mean, when you look at his career, yeah. I, I was lucky enough to meet with him. I oh, paired cool. the papers with him a few times cool, and, cool. when I was younger, but um, yeah, no, he's, he, he was. was at the very, very top of his game and what's, you know, his achievements will never probably be matched. Oh. You know, he had the longest running TV show mm. uh, series back then and I think it's like 12, 12 years, 12 seasons or something. Like, might At least have been, might more. Have been yeah, 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 it could yeah. have been 15. It could have been ridiculous. I know that they switched over to the secrets or the Paul Daniels secrets of magic or right. something. Uh, but the Paul Daniels show itself, I mean, that lasted forever mm. on, t- on, on BBC. It lasted forever. Yeah. Um, it, and, uh, yeah, he'd put out new content every week. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't think there's a magician yeah. on earth today that can do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and he made like... it, he delivered everything as if he was doing it for years. It's ridiculous. It mm. re- really is ridiculous. And he had a lot of comedic kind of timing as he well. Did, yeah. He did, yeah. So I know that he, like, cut his teeth. He kind of a, 
he learnt his trade uh, for the, the workmen's club in England so mm. it, he really had to take charge almost straight away yeah, yeah. and it was re- you know and that kind of shows you know right. he really uh, he really is a showman but like he had to learn the hard way first yeah, you know, because if they didn't like you in the in those clubs, I, I believe that they were kind of like, yeah, like, it was just like they won't give you a second chance. You know, yeah. you know, some of them could have been, you know, rough places at the time. And, of course, uh, you, you know, I've been to 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 these clubs uh, and I enjoyed them because I go over to like family in the UK, all over the UK, right? And, uh, and yeah, and all these cabaret and and uh, cabaret acts, like you know, they they give you a no, bit you of a need, time. You need to be good to get yeah, up there, like yeah. you need to. Yeah, it's be controlling, like you know. It's funny because I talked to a comedian not so long ago, and we talked about like how he deals with hecklers and things mm. like that. Similar, I suppose, you'd have to deal with that sort of stuff coming yeah. at you if if, yeah, if you it do. wasn't on on, on point. I, I think where um, what, the space I'm working in is much different to everybody else's. So when you go to see a comedian, or when you go to see a magician, or when you go to see a magic show, or whoever you might go to see, you go to a theatre, and therefore ethics kick in. You know, the lights go down and you be quiet and you can't go in and out. And if you go out, you might not be able to get back in and yeah. so on. And um, the person on stage commands and you'll get hecklers, whatever. But in general, you have everybody's attention. So right. everybody kind of surrenders something walking through the door. The space I work in is the complete opposite to that. People are having a conversation and I need to go and introduce myself, then perform magic. And then, yeah. which makes it much more difficult because I don't own the space I work in as opposed to a performer um, mm. where, you know, so I now have to get the same level of control mm. while still being like polite and yeah, yeah, yeah. sensitive to the situation. Therefore, if anybody wants to heckle, I've got to let them kind of come in. I can't take the control that someone else can take. Otherwise, it's just very rude yeah, yeah, for yeah. me to say, I've come in here. I want your attention. Shut up. and you got to listen to me. Yeah. You can't do that. So right, right. you have to develop this approach into mm. each group. And there's, I put a lot of work into that approach mm. on how I approach that. And uh, I've seen how that changed throughout the years as well. And dealing with hecklers. Yeah, you do have these kind of certain things that come in uh, to help you deal with it. Um, but definitely yeah. you, you can't use your put downs you can't put the guy back in his place and you yeah, can't yeah, yeah. because I don't own that space right. I am the visitor which mm. is it's the complete reverse like I said sure. of, of okay. owning a stage so there is a whole way of of going into a group effectively yeah. and getting the best out of that group mm. um, and uh, a lot of it's down to your initial your initial approach so before the idea was I'll go in and I'll do three of the quickest flashes things I can do of uh-huh. water and therefore they'll know that you know they should pay attention to me okay. so I'd have you know I used to, years ago I used to open my wallet and burst into flames and I'd close it and then it would vanish and then I'd do something else and okay and now I have them yeah. and it kind of worked to a degree but I really didn't like I, I don't like it now I really dislike it now okay. I really dislike it now because right. uh, it's I see it now has been really rude in a way okay um even though you're paid to do it, that still doesn't make it right, right? Mm. So if there's people having a conversation there, there's a time to go into that group and there's a time when not to go into that group. So you've got to pick your time first off. Um, and my intro now consists of me kind of introducing myself formally. Yeah. Hi, how are you? My name is Jared Kearney. Uh, I work here. I'm actually part of the entertainment. And already I've just broken down some of the questions that they might have had in the back of their head, right? right. And then I lead into it with something. 
but I have a complete formal introduction. Right. So now it almost changes that space from saying from me being the visitor to saying, okay, we're now almost getting to that almost like okay. theater like style performance. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's 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 a nice idea. Let's let's have a look at this. Or whatever my my, mm. my I've lots of different intros for lots of different situations and sometimes it's on the fly, but it revolves around that type of thing. Mm. Uh, and the idea first is is to break down all those barriers and to create the, the first trick is quick and it is it, it, it is very quick mm. and what you're trying to do here is reach a point of psychological surrender okay. and psychological surrender is if I come and I want to uh, form a trick for you it's almost like a challenge right mm-hmm. I gotta do a trick and, and you have to figure out how it's done yeah okay uh, and it's to remove that because when you remove that you create magic yeah. you create that wonder mm-hmm. because they have no questions they get to a point where where they don't know what to ask right. and they just want to watch yeah okay and that's the psychological surrender so you do get to that point but you get to it with intensity and focus and you get that focus and intensity because you've formally introduced yourself and you've brought yourself into the group mm. in the proper way right is that a style you've developed through through reading other grandmasters or is it a mix uh, of everything or? the thing is there's not a huge lot on that there's right. not like close up magic walk around magic is probably the, the newer form of entertainment in the magic uh, industry like the performing on stage has been around for centuries and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and um, but is there but is there like that form of psychological surrender mm-hmm. is that a kind of a term that is known through you know, psychology in general, or is it, uh, is it a trick? I first other? heard that term from a magician called Darren Ortiz. It kind of just describes how magic should be structured, and that was just a, a term and okay. a, kind of a point that, that really stuck with me. Mm. But that style, I probably developed over time, and I, I, of course, there's influences from everywhere. Sure, I mean that 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 the first style. There's nothing wrong with it, right? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. nothing wrong with. I know I said it was rude. Rude is probably the wrong word, but you still get people that will come on your site and they want to watch the magic trick after you approach mm. them with. With, I'm bombarded them with a few things it's just the opposite to where, where I perform now but that style has been used by influences that I love David Stone he he does that he introduced me to that style of magic and he was yeah. like a, but he's very he's David Stone he's the only person that can do that you yeah, know and I've yeah, realised yeah. that now you know but it's part of you finding your own approach yeah. your own style and, yes. and yes. how you how you do things so yeah. that makes total sense once mm-hmm. you've got to that and it, it feels comfortable for you yeah right okay yeah. cool we were at Paul Daniels and went off on tangents, which is really good because I, I like kind of going off in these sort of random angles. <laughs> I probably need to go off of it. No, 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 I like it. That's mm. much more enjoyable for me because I don't have to stick to sort of, sort of questions. But uh, other kind of, as you were developing, so this was still your like early teens kind of growing so, up. So um, was there other other influences coming in as yes. you were putting it together? Yes. Um, the next kind of step the, so we had Paul Daniels I'm interested in magic I knew I was interested in magic but I still got to make these big steps to get up to yeah. you know to get on the inside uh, so the next one was uh, I decided to look in the library local library in May, uh, in Mayfield and uh, I found a book The Amateur Magician's Handbook by Henry Hay and that was that was a really good book okay. like it was a really really good book right. it's a really good book today and it was a really good book to the, uh, back then. And it was especially really good for me because I had the answers to everything, to all the questions I've had. Mm. You know, what's how many different types of magic are out there? It touched on everything, right? Uh, but didn't specialize in anything. Mm. And it gave kind of a, a good few tricks with each. And it gave um, some details on past masters. And okay. now I knew who to look out for, who to listen out for, what books to yeah. look out for and so on. And that was another stepping stone. And I was practicing magic then. 
But then my my grads in school, uh-huh. uh, which was in the Metropole Hotel, someone knew, so a friend of mine knew, was really into magic, said, there's a magician downstairs, you got to go down. So there was this American magician, I, I don't know who he is, and uh, he was staying in the hotel and he was just doing Walking some, some around, magic. Around he was just doing ma- no, he was just kind of, whoever wanted to see a magic trick, okay, let cool. me do it. But he was very well developed and uh, he... He did a good few tricks on me and I can remember nearly all of them and it was mind-blowing. It was completely mind-blowing. And um, and I realised, that's it. That's the type of magic that I love. Okay. That's what I want to do. Right. That's So I, I wasn't so keen on stage magic anymore. I wasn't so keen on the old traditional manipulation style magic anymore. It was this. It was this close-up mm. under your nose style performance mm. and uh, so that was the big one so then I af- just after that the next stepping stone was I met Paul Daniels and my mother's friend was a journalist and she was covering some story for Paul Daniels in the opera house and she introduced us and we did we had a piece on the paper but he gave me great time yeah yeah I mean outside of the whole you know was he Jonathan, doing close-up he, stuff as well? He did close-up stuff for me right, there okay. as well. Yeah. yeah, but he just—he was so giving with his time. He just sat right, down right, and right. Just like the, He was Paul Daniels at the stage, yeah, you know. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he was like he was a superhuman back then, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just gave me so. I, I felt like he must have given me like three hours of his time. Wow. He just sat down. He just gave me loads of information, loads of references, loads of tips. And and did you have to do any performance for him to kind of almost I kind of did. Yeah, I that, did. I did. You know? I did. But like I said, I'm still this introverted kid. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So I'm yeah. not like, you know, I probably performed with my head down and looked at my hands and all the things you shouldn't do. But he could probably but see there was talent. I'm sure he, I'm sure, I'm sure, um, because I did have kind of, um, I, did, I did have this certain kind of a flair for, for it that if I didn't have if I didn't have the personality, and I know I didn't, back then for magic, right? I definitely had what I talk technically, right? Because I was obsessed technical right. technical skill. I was very, I loved it. Mm. I could sit down with a pack of cards and practice the one move that takes two seconds, and I can do that for about four or five hours straight, and not even not even think about it, oh. not even realize. You know, I was yeah. just I, I loved it. I loved every, you know, I loved all practice. Mm. Uh, so I'm sure that that maybe came through, and that's why he maybe gave me so much time. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Just on that, uh, talking to people all the time, finding what they love. But do you have any any idea why you've loved you loved it so much? What was the draw? To, I know it was the kind of that feeling, but is there was there any kind of history of uh, magic or anything like that in the family? Or no. was there, there's no. Because I'm always trying to dig to see is there yeah. something to connect it to. It's just one of those it is, things. It's very straight. Like if I, there's a couple of things that I think about, and I, I have no answers to. Yeah. Like why do I like it? Why? And I'm, I'm not sure. But like, there's some strange mm. things. Like I can tell you, the earliest memory I have, which is weird. My, my parents went to the UK for a family funeral back then, so we didn't go as a family, and so some of us stayed at home, and, right, and so on. And um, when they came back, they brought home gifts. One of which was a pack of cards mm. from my older brother Paul, mm. and I was obsessed with them. I don't know why. Mm. I just, I just love. I thought they were mystical. Yeah. I thought they were just the most beautiful things you could ever see. I'm not even five at this stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the earliest memory I have. Mm. And like I now have that in with the mix of magic for some reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can remember when we first got to multi-channel. We there was there was a magic show on one 
and that was my first time seeing a magician. Yeah. But just watching it with my mouth open. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that was it. It was parked there, and then years went on. And yeah. I gave you the later stuff, which was more mm. um, prominent, but. I have those memories, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how yeah. it's, it's been embedded to me. I think, I think it is something to do with the fact that maybe I, I, I did live in my head an awful lot when I was younger. Mm. I was very creative. Right. Like when everybody else was playing with toys, I was always cutting up boxes and making castles and drawbridges and and doing. I was always creative and artistic. Okay. So I think that might mm. just. Just the way yeah. my brain operates, maybe, and, 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 and it's more that way than yeah. than what. You no, know, it's interesting because like I can talk about values and five or six things that are core to me and, and other people I talk to, and I can pinpoint most of where they came from, like hard work, and I'm sure, like from what you're talking about, hard work and just complete obsession with putting mm-hmm. effort in is is there, and I know where that came from. But for me, kind of psychology is something I'm massively passionate about, but I can I have no idea where that came from or why because it's kind of not something you know mm. every 11 year old growing up would have been that interested in but it, but it was so it was just trying to probe into that a little yeah. bit yeah um cool so keep keep talking about the milestones the, the next steps uh, like, the, so uh, why sit with paul daniels he told me about this magic shop in limerick and um i quickly made note of that and mm. uh, my parents were very supportive of magic mm. really supportive they're really good to me and i, I can put a lot of um my success and kind of everything onto my parents really cool. and and how how much uh, how encouraging they were behind the whole thing but so we, we we found out about this magic shop and the very next week my my dad hopped into the car with my mother and myself and we drove off to Limerick and we spent a couple of a uh, hundred pounds back then probably on on books and things that I thought I should have and it's funny because a lot of things that I got um, particularly the books and and some of the tricks were referenced to the magician I saw in the Metropole at okay. my desk. So I knew I knew what I wanted. Um, so, um, and you had to order from a catalogue. He didn't have them in, so I right, had to right. order them all in. So we yeah. had to go back to Limerick and pick them. So it was this big thing. Like, it was this big. Event, it was like, like an yeah, event. It was, yeah. uh, it was really good. And um, while I was in the magic shop and did a couple of demonstrations, I was invited to a convention that was happening in Limerick. And I went to the convention and boom, right. explosion. Okay, yeah, so is this so, the first time you were meeting with yeah. other Irish magicians or even worldwide? Worldwide, worldwide okay. Yeah, people from all over the world. That's the thing about magic is when you go to a convention, yeah. And at least, especially back then, you know, the gods would be booked to lecture and talk, and mm. these are guys that are just just. Did you get invited to that? Did you say I got invited? You I got could, invited. Like, so nobody could just show up to. These I, I think I had to become a member of right. the club. Okay, so I didn't get invited to the convention. I got invited to the magic club, right. which was the. Um, uh, an IBM ring right so okay. um, so which is the International Brotherhood of Magicians right, right? so that's the world's largest or- organisation magic mm. organisation and, um, and and true there they, they, they were holding the convention mm. and I got invited to the convention and the convention it, it really did there was a different all the milestones before forget them this just was an explosion right because you had um, other kids there with the same interest um, you had magic shops from all over let's say Europe that mm. came to the display the stalls and stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, then you had lectures so you had these really good guys teaching you magic and so on and that yeah that was it and that was no I feel at that point I had crossed over I'm now um, I'm on the inside I met a friend who's also a magician in Cork uh, a hobbyist magician John Casey 
and uh, John was older than me and he used to drive so we used to travel together and cool. we really became really great friends with, with very similar interests and we used to meet up and we still do we haven't met up in a while just when yeah. life goes but like uh yeah, so that was um, that was where um, that, 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 that's when I really felt I, I crossed over onto the inside. I know it was a matter of practicing, and I knew where to get the information from, and I knew what I wanted. But it just everything else was the graft in between. Mm. Was there a, a standout performance that you put out that you said, "Now I'm actually stepping forward"? I was never. Um, I never liked performing for magicians, and I still don't. And yeah. I kind of always let myself down there, and it's just simply because I don't. I don't. I have this hang up, the psychological hang up performing for magicians I think sometimes some magicians can sit down and they can go through a whole performance and they will know that you know everything they're doing but they still give it 100% and 10% and yeah. I, I that always felt odd to me that almost felt like I was almost lying to you okay. I can sell something to you for you know I can yeah, really yeah. Um, but even just for a normal audience like was there were you starting to do the, this yes. kind of professionally so, no um, going back to my parents um, they used to take me out every Sunday and uh, sometimes if I didn't even want to they'd take me out on Sunday right. <laughs> they don't uh, after mass uh, they'd go to the, the the bar the local bar and everybody has a couple of drinks and I'll be performing to the bar okay. and it happened every, every every Sunday my dad was just he, he was in love with the whole idea yeah, yeah, he just yeah. loved the fact that I was doing magic Brilliant. I was doing something different uh, I was, yeah he, he, and, well. uh, uh, but that, that was a huge that was a huge learning curve and performance for me hmm. and that was great and I owe everything there to my to my parents for that. Yeah, you know. Um, so I I learned to perform. When I was eighteen, I went to the UK. I had an aunt living in Blackpool, UK, and in Blackpool, UK, there was a magic shop called JB Magic, and uh, there was a guy there, Darren, who I'm still friends with today. And uh, he was working in a magic shop, and I thought this guy was brilliant. I loved it. I loved um, all the magic he performed. He had great dexterity, mm. and uh, so I went over, and um, I went over there for like three or four months, and that was another huge learning curve for me. Mm. So every day, I'd go down to the magic shop, and I used to just sit and hang, and we talk magic, and um, mm. I, I I learned how to perform again. That was another another milestone in in kind of. Um, learning how to perform magic and uh yeah so that was solid and i always remember because when i was over there my parents were funding me for being over there right so he was yeah. like, so my dad was expecting me to come back with all these boxes and what have you but i was just i i, I was at this stage i was only interested in dexterity right you know and um, it was a like a purist i wanted to be a purist yeah, i wanted yeah, yeah. To, you know it was, it was something ridiculous like uh, i just you know i just need a pack of cards and i want to be able to perform miracles with just a pack of cards and a few coins or whatever is laying around because yeah. for me that was real magic right yeah if you brought out a box or a contraption i i, I, I didn't like that in half I did, sort of yeah thing, like, i didn't no. like it no put yeah. your hand in here and this happened right. it's like it, it's a magic box of course it's not yeah, you know, yeah, yeah if you just had a pack of cards and coins then very you raw magician, like, you know yeah, yeah it's yeah, very old yeah. school it's very it is mm. very raw and uh yeah, so that's probably what I spent most of my time doing, learning from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I had like th- I had bought three books over there that I just I used to read every day over there, mm. and then go to the magic shop the next day and discuss them with Darren and oh. and so on. So it was just continually growing and growing. You it was one hundred percent what you wanted to do. Like at this point, did your parents? Did you go to college? Was there anything? No, no, because no? I think magic at some point got got involved in my life just before exam, just before my exams, and I just. 
you know, I was putting every minute into Brilliant. magic, so I didn't really. Um, the college wasn't on my radar at the time, but then again, neither was magic. Right. right? So I wasn't. Um, I didn't want to be. Perform- I didn't want to be a performing magician, mm. but I wanted to learn everything about magic. Okay. Um. So at that point, I really didn't have. I just really wanted to devour as much as I could in regards to magic. I wanted to take in as much information as I possibly could. There was nobody else doing magic around at this stage. Yeah. Um, there was no other... I don't think there was other magicians working in Cork at that stage. Right. Um, like this is going back in 98, 99. Mm. Um, Silvano was a Kerry magician. He was working and he right. used to do this trade trade fair. He's a family entertainer. Okay. And I used to go and just sit and watch him and he chat away to me while he was doing the... I think it was called the Ideal Homes exhibition that was in the City Hall, which is probably still running today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and he used to be in the foyer doing magic, performing. He was hired to do that gig, and uh, I used to go down, and sit down, and just watch him and just talk magic, and 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 that was it. So he was the only person I was aware of that was actually out there working right. at the time, and he was from Killarney. Um, but regards to, but naturally, I started. People asked me to do some magic. Sure. I, I did do some gigs back then, and yeah. uh, um, and then it, it just became more frequent and more frequent. So it evolved very naturally, very organically. Basically, like I didn't have any. I didn't. I don't think I had business cards. It was yeah, you yeah, found yeah. me through recommendation somewhere or somehow or right. a friend of a friend of a friend. Yeah, and um, I I was still probably at that stage. I might have been doing twenty gigs a year or something. You know. Yeah. Uh, but then when I got to twenty, um, I started working in the UK. Um, do magic so I used to fly over at the weekends wow. so I was working in travel agents at the time was it that there was just more of a market for it over there there was no real appetite uh, for it in Ireland at so that stage the way the way it happened there was a company over there called Jag Music which then changed to Jag Music Jag Entertainment no it went from Jag Music to Jag Music and Jag Magic and their Jag Magic side was me okay and um, they were a company based in Maidstone so they would deal with a few other entertainment companies and I knew one of them was um, Jumping Frog Entertainments which is Etienne Pradier, a French magician and a very high profile French magician in, in London and I got on well with Etienne and um, he liked my style of performance so he used to give me a lot of gigs right. and I'd fly over on a Thursday i start working on Friday, Saturday, fly home on Sunday Okay. and that's when I really learned how to perform because I had to then at that right. stage I was working for there's a lot of people involved at that stage and some mm. of them were really high you know high profile gigs I was working one with Etienne in, in, in the Grosvenor Hotel in, in I think it's Hyde Park was it I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's, it's right but it was a really big event like there was you know a lot of soap stars there wow. and, and, and things like that so I was, but it was like a thousand people and you're mm. going around doing close up magic at the beginning and then you're going around to tables at some point um, and I, that's where I learned how to perform like as a professional mm. I was around other professional magicians working over there and I did that for a few years and it came to a point where I really didn't enjoy it anymore in a sense that like you go on Thursday and you come back on Sunday and yeah, I was thinking like I have to make a decision here like it's getting busier and busier do I do I move to London mm. which I didn't really want to do mm. um, and then I made the decision you know what I should try to replicate what I'm doing in London over here sure yeah um, and I started working around Cork and this was around 2000 mm. um, and I started working and and it worked out well I've been mm. working 
since much, then really since then, yeah. yeah I mean I've, I've always I, 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 I didn't really go full time until 2008 okay but like I had steady gigs it was it was never about it was, it was about performing at that stage right. I then fell in love with performing because all my earlier years I didn't want to perform I didn't like it I just wanted to practice magic and mm. if you happened to be somewhere and I was doing something then I would do it for you but I didn't want to be okay. I didn't want the pressure of taking on a gig right that's, I think that's what it was you know? yeah and that, that just the question I was going to ask when you were over in London and you had those thousands of people like how did nerves and pressure impact your performance or did it like did did a trick not come off as well as it should because you might have been just not fully focused on it or, or was that something that was ever a challenge or when you were in the zone were you in mm. the zone I think um, very quickly within that space something did kick in where I kind of turned around and said right I've got to be confident here mm. and I've got to take charge and I've got to do this yeah um because now there's more pressure because there's people within the industry within the magic industry yeah. and I can't let them down and I'm representing myself now in, within the magic community as well as kind of the entertainment community right uh, and I think something kicked in where I did just I, I don't know I think I, I, I just stepped it up I just yeah. I, but where it first comes from is like you need to be able to do it first absolutely you, yeah. you have to you, you know if you've confidence that right the, the problem was never the magic it was never the magic mm. it was finding the confidence to perform the magic mm. right so um, once I got over that I, I, I and it was I, I don't remember ever there been a point where it was like um, I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not good at this or you know it wasn't everybody seemed, out like everybody even when I wasn't confident and I actually think that there's there's, there's a strength to that mm. right so when I try to break down performance now and I try to say right when I'm doing something there's a couple of there's a couple of values that I have to have in my performance and one is vulnerability mm-hmm. vulnerability makes magic stronger yeah because if I come to a group and I say okay so I'm going to do a trick but if I come to that group with so much confidence and and ooze and confidence um they know it's going to work. Mm. So there's less, there's no edge. Right. There's no... You, they're not waiting for you to fail. Yeah. And vu- vulnerability doesn't mean you go there kind of not confident and, and, and Drop this things might not work. Like, and, yeah, yeah. and this, uh, uh, you know, it, you just need to, sh- there just needs to be a sense of vulnerability. Mm. So sometimes it might be, and it could be true, saying, Okay, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. There's something that I'm very interested in, which I haven't performed before, simply because uh, I haven't been given the opportunity, and this looks like the opportunity. I think we're really good. Are you up for this? Yes. That's confident, but it has a sense of vulnerability to it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Are um, you being genuine when you say that, though? Like, how often I, I, I am. I am, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it could be. Right, because okay. you have, yeah. I mean, because this is your job, right? This is what I do mm-hmm. over 200 times. Yeah, uh, two or oh, two hundred gigs a year, and within each gig, you're probably doing fifteen to twenty performances. Yeah. If you just stick to the same script and stick to the same things, you slowly go crazy. Sure, sure. You go yeah. crazy. Yeah. You're not performing anymore. Mm. You're just reciting. Yeah. And, and a that huge becomes difference. very apparent, I think, when you hear it. I yeah. suppose as well. You know, yeah. If it's scripted or whatever, or not, like, you know, yeah. it's 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 why I like my job actually is because every performance is different. Mm. But I inject something somewhere sometimes I'll highlight it and sometimes I won't but mm-hmm. I'll do it because it will give it a, a it will give it a sense of that it's real to the moment yeah and that 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 is hugely important uh, important to performance mm. it's being real to the moment is is is, is yeah. a huge ingredient yeah, yeah, yeah you could do the same trick a hundred times mm. you could do it a thousand times 
but it will only ever be done that way in front of that group and that's gone forever yeah so it need, and it need, it needs to be that way mm. especially with close up magic yeah yeah when you talk about new tricks do you I'm just kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent but does it would you have to practice a trick X amount of times do you feel before it's something you could actually bring to to the public or is, is every trick different does everyone take uh, different I think times? yeah it depends on where you are with magic it depends on your, your the kind of base that you've built up right uh, so what you've got in the tank would, would matter it would help um, you ramp so up. like everything like it depends I mean I don't know it's every trick is different and you might um yeah, definitely. If 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 there's a, a sequence involved, you, of course you get that sequence down, and you yeah. get it to a point where you you do not have to think about anything. Um, it should be almost automatic. If there's anything technical that should be you know not highlighted, that should be on autopilot, so mm. that when you're focused, you're focusing on communicating, you're focused on the whatever's happening around your environment at the time, mm. and 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 that goes back to to being real in the moment and making that performance unique yeah when you talk about being in the moment a lot like you talk about meditation a good bit and that's very much about being right in the moment and mm-hmm. it, it, would you almost see like your magic when you're performing you're so present you're not thinking about the future or the past you're just there and then you're almost in a meditative state absolutely uh a meditative state. i mean you're very conscious of the fact that yeah. because you're, you're you're very conscious to the environment i think it, it goes back to kind of almost a communicating level so if i'm doing a trick where there's a routine and strongest without interruption or or maybe with you know but if something happens because i'm in a close-up environment i'm not in control of what happens around me and everybody rea- i i should react to that as well um because if I don't acknowledge mm. someone drops a glass, right? Mm. Or some, something happens or something small on a smaller level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I should react to it. And that will enhance the magic that I'm doing. Yeah. Because if I stay on that autopilot mm. and something happens, I don't react to it. Some people do, some people don't. It becomes forgotten about as soon as it happens. But I just pretend it doesn't happen. I stick to my script and what have you. I'm not communicating anymore. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, and yeah. co- I, 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 it's very apparent at that stage you're not communicating. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think when I say uh, being present, I'm, I'm more talking about like, um, f- from your perspective, that we are really communicating. We are having yeah. this conversation and there's magical things happening in, within yeah. that conversation. Yeah. And you're aware enough that, as you said, if the glass drops, you can make a little joke about something like that and around you and it's more natural yeah. and it becomes, yeah. it becomes normal. No, no. I, I think, I think when, when we saw you perform in, in work that time, mm-hmm. you know, I remember you were making kind of comments and stuff around. So it is, uh, it's all part of it. At the very start, I mentioned you won an award in 2000. Was that your first kind of accolade or was I, there something? I, I, yeah. Well, I, I went through this very small uh, space of my life where I wanted where I was performing oh, sorry where I was competing right and um, and, and, and it was it was a, it was a very small part of my magical career let's say right. um, and I haven't competed since okay. <laughs> I haven't. Um, and uh, yeah so I was lucky enough that the, the Dan Foley was this competition that was held um, in Kerry in at Listol and uh, magicians used to come from around Ireland and perform and that was my first competition and uh, I was like, oh my god, yes, I won, I won this little, you know, uh, competition, which is which is great. The second one was a bigger competition. Um, it was the uh, the IBM, which is the International Brotherhood of Magicians, yeah. and that's a worldwide organization. And there's conventions held in different parts, mm-hmm. different time of the year. So um, this one was held in Ireland, and it was like um, 
it was it was a big one for me because the judging panel what one guy was John Carney and his surname is spelled differently from myself but John Carney is like a really big deal okay right he's a really big deal he would have studied with Dave Vernon uh, right the professor and uh, he had lectured before the competition and I was just watching his lecture thinking this this is amazing mm. this is really amazing and he was a judge right and so I was like um, so to win and to win on a judging panel with someone like John Carney was just like, like that was that Brilliant. was me kind of thinking this is the highlight of my You've my magical career yeah. I'm so happy I know I'm on an upscale here this is fantastic uh, but that was probably the big one and that was the last one I kind of competed in and it was mm. it was more of a was it a phase I was going through it was I, I, I really enjoyed it I yeah. really enjoyed it at the time um, and it's probably something you might have had to do with the early stages to kind of get more visibility popularity around yeah it. I mean in that circle yeah 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 definitely I think so um, like I say it, it was a big one for me again when I think back to the performance I'm really proud of the performance because I don't like performing for magicians in general mm. But this was at the time where I was working in London. I was coming back and I just went out and I just turned it on. I just kind of went into performance mode and I, I just really kind of, and uh, uh, and I was happy with how it turned out. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. I had a few friends that would be really knowledgeable as well and really good magicians. They were like, I didn't see the ending coming. And okay. it was all this build up towards the ending. Wow. Uh, the performance was the, 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 the ending was the payoff to the whole performance. Right. And the, they knew me and they knew my mannerisms and everything else and I didn't see it coming and I was I was kind of chuffed at a lot of people coming up to me afterwards thinking oh. you know that was uh, that was kind of um, I was delighted that it paid off the way I wanted it to pay off and mm. then to have someone like John Kearney on the general judging panel um, you know scoring uh, was was just great brilliant you know when you watch other magicians do you like how often do you know what they're doing or is it is it rare that you actually see something that just like what you said there that you didn't see that coming or is there that is there much you go to innovation the, and you go to these conventions and there's some people that that just come from somewhere that do something that changes everything right and that nearly happens well it happens every other convention let's say where something happens and I think this oh this, this right. is new so there's a few things now um when I was younger, I was a real move monkey. Like, you know, I loved card slides. I loved sleight of hand. I loved the technical stuff, the real difficult stuff. Right. And I fell in love with old school magic. Okay. The magicians of, you know, the 1920s, 30s, 40s, where they were just, when they were at the top of their game, they used to all do all these difficult slides. Um, with cards with mainly? cards mainly, okay. yeah. And, uh, and the, if you were a card magician, I would sit up and watch. I'd watch how you hold the mm. cards. I'd watch, you know, your technique and everything else. Yeah. Um, and there's a few people that have, like, there's a guy Babel, in Paris, and Babel, um, he roams the streets of Paris with. He's got, uh, he's got like a slight disability with his leg, so he carries around his big staff but a staff that looks like cool. from Lord of the Rings Brilliant. kind of thing and under the other arm there's a table and then he pulls the table out and he sits on the streets of Paris and he pulls out a little stool and he sit down and he'll do some card magic but you'll see the most beautiful elegant card handling you'll ever see right now the thing is he's only finding someone's card you know so someone passing by you know he's only finding a card but there's much more um, 
art and what he's doing yeah, yeah, yeah. than there is in some of the other things that you okay. might be familiar with you know right, right, right. like uh, someone would say oh the cards on the other side of the window and things like that which is all really good kind of publicity tricks but yeah, this yeah. this is poetic and this right, is right. elegant and this is art okay. and uh, and when I first saw Babel whoa what right. are you doing and he's well, he's like alive and well doing it still yeah is he? yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. when you're in Paris just I mean type in Babel French magician mm. go see him like oh. go see him because you're going to see the stuff it's like why are these cards dancing in your hands? What are you doing? It's just wow. ridiculous. It's yeah, like yeah. ballet, like, you know, <laughs> he's this lovely, beautiful, soft touch. And, uh, yeah. So then, and there's another French magician who, uh, who I'd be very good friends with. And he stayed with me a couple of times at David Stone. who would be huge in the magic world. And, uh, he's, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant magician. He's a brilliant person. He's very charismatic. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we spoke about that t- style of magic earlier on where you just ambush people with magic. And that's what he'll do, but he'll do it beautifully. Mm. I don't know, is it just because he's French again? I know the French have this flair about them, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he'll almost he's almost dancing when he's performing. None of that won't suit me, but like he's but he's really good and uh he's he's very charismatic and I remember right. being even in town uh, in Cork City right. um with him and uh he just knocks people over, like, you know. Mm. So yeah, there's this there's um so there is instances where things are just come out of the world yeah, you've just, never seen. Come, and... Yeah, yeah. Like David mm. Stone was from a convention. He was doing magic that I've never seen before. Babel was the same. And there's, there's, there's kind of loads of incidences like that that mm. that will happen. And and that's the type of magic I, I, I really love. I love yeah. the, the knuckle-busting, mm. sleight of hand. Yeah. One of the questions I had down here, and it's probably it's not in the, the realm of your type of magic but you might have an opinion I remember once watching a, a show or an interview with Keith Barry I think I mentioned to him before to you um, around fortune tellers mm. and he said he has a challenge openly to any fortune teller on the planet to try and read him that that they can't he doesn't believe in them. and he mentioned that co- a book around cold reading or something like that mm. it, it, you, that's his word is more mentalism is it? Yeah, mental, uh, uh, mentalism is becoming more and more popular, you know, with the likes of Keith and uh, Darren Brown. And mm. So the question here is, do is I more, believe in yeah, like, do, do like, I believe in the kind of cold reading side of things? Yeah, that sort of stuff. Is um, what well, well, cold reading is? Cold reading is what it is. It's reading someone without no information. That's yeah. you have no information, so it's a cold. Yeah, you know, um, and you. Cold reading, exactly. Is, I mean, is it fortune? Like fortune tellers make their their living off that sort of stuff. Do you think is there any more <laughs> to it than that? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I I believe. Yeah, that's what I believe. You know, I mean, mm. uh, it, it it's it's a very deep. I don't believe in fortune tellers. Okay. Right? I, yeah. I don't believe in psychics. Right. I don't believe in, and even in, in my performance, I credit them to something. I do believe they have a gift. Mm. Just. It's not the gift that you think it is. You know, that's all, that's what it is. So yeah, they're very clever. They can be very, very good at it. And uh, maybe, but then again, you know, sometimes I feel bad in saying that because if someone had a really good experience with somebody mm. and it's given them this <laughs> such a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside, they're happy. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to be the one to take that away from them. I know. You know? Like, <laughs> one of the episodes I did was with a fortune teller. Right. One of the early ones on it. Now, like I would, I would believe in some spiritual higher higher power right um yeah. but but she was quite good and a couple of things she said could have i don't know if she's not listening or anything but like planted certain things in my mind that 
automatically maybe you, you start to work towards as a result of it you know so it, yeah. is, it is kind of Shotgun. suggesting Shotgun stuff and like, you throw it out you see what catches and you take that line then yeah. so there's, within one sentence there could be you know 15 branches on it and whichever branch you take hold of will go down that road kind of yeah, a thing yeah. and that's maybe a technique and yeah. I don't know too much a huge lot about it but I, I, I do various pieces of code rigging but it's only to kind of support something else that's really happening right um I don't use. I prefer suggestion a lot. I love working with suggestion, and and in my performance there'll be a lot of, which is much better because, um, it, it's it's more about the the part the other person and what they're experiencing at that point, mm. uh, rather than me trying to push them down a certain road. Sure. So over the last few years, what are the kind of new elements you've added to your? performance to, mm. to your you know your practice i suppose Is so i'm always you... i'm always changing something up whether i'm doing the same trick for let's say that i'm doing 10 years ago it's definitely been done in a whole new way now i don't even know how it evolved to there right so there's always something new with it um what i try to focus on mostly is uh is the performance and how to get the best performance so i analyze my performances a lot more now than what i would have in the past mm. before it was um heavily dependent on the magic I was performing so it was less about my personality and it was less about who I was and more about the magic right. and let the magic take it away mm. and there was there was some good things with that um, but now I'm more about the performance mm. I'm more about how do I get the maximum impact from what I'm doing and how do I get everybody there to kind of enjoy it as much as what's possible at that time yeah excuse me so I, I look at that uh, I, I look at um my performance more than anything else and I, I try to break it down a lot more uh, my tricks do change uh, a lot my magic changes um, a little bit I, 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 I don't know how often I do know I work in kind of like um, I get a burst of something mm. so like I say we're, this whole conversation has been like geared around the performance side of magic and everything else yeah, and that's yeah. one section of what I what I love and I do and I, yeah. I, I find this time of year particularly I get really creative and I'll inject something else and it will change the whole performance and that's it I'm happy with that and, and it's always this time of year I, I don't know why I'll get a fortune teller to tell you down no, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's but, to uh, do with Mars and Pluto yeah uh, well, that's interesting so isn't it? it's this it's this time of year and uh, I don't know why it's always I always find that September I'm always running around and I'm getting things built and I'm getting printers mm. to do certain things for me okay. but I'm always um focused on my performance this time of year but another side of what i do that i really enjoy is the business side of it i yeah. love the business side of it yeah um simply because of you know my past employment and everything else um i kind of and i was heavily I, my whole working career was in sales really you okay. know uh, so my last sales job was working for volkswagen um right and uh that's kind of embedded into me a little bit um mm. but i love i love the marketing side i love I love the business side of it. Uh, so, so another burst, I could get on a burst then of marketing. I want to learn more about marketing. What the best type, what's the best format? Sure. What's the best way for me to market myself? Yeah. Um, and I'll do things like uh, I measure all my bookings, where they come from. Right. So I know, you know, what's a good avenue for me to focus on. Okay. What needs more attention? What needs mm. less attention? What's organic? What's push? Right. What's you know? Okay. So I, I kind of measure all that, and I I, I get on the burst there. Fascinating. But I do go in bursts, as in I can't focus on all of them at the same time. Yeah. I just focus on one, or I'll shift my gaze to another. Mm. Um. 
But that's a good way, I think, like just trying to draw a comparison to even doing the podcast stuff. Like I'm learning how to use properly Instagram and Google AdSense and all of these things. But there's so many things that you're trying to focus on at the same time. It's difficult to make a significant step forward with any one of them when you do that. So I think it's a good approach to to, to dig deep into one particular area. Um, And before we, we started rolling, we were talking about... The other exciting stuff you're you're working on um, from when you were in New York recently. Yeah, you want to talk yeah. a bit about that. Yeah, so this is going back to probably my burst. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. linking into my burst. So um, about five years ago, I wanted to kind of come up with my own technique, my own kind of. Little, I can't say too much. So I'm going to be speaking almost in code here, right, right? Simply because it's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I told you earlier on, just two sides to 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 magic. There's the public side, which is the performance side and where I work, and then there's the magic universe, which is full of magicians and mm. uh, the dark web. The, and all that yeah, stuff, yeah, stuff yeah. Like. And it's where we're all connected, and we trade secrets, and we do different things, and we sell things, and we sell ideas, and we write essays and books, and, cool. and swap them with each other, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, five years ago for myself, I, I designed my uh, a section of my show, let's say, and um, and I've, I, I loved it. I, I, I think, yeah, I got it. That's perfect. And uh, I've been fine tuning it ever since. And um, then last year I decided maybe I should probably bring it to Magic Market and um, so put it out. On offer, uh, put the offer out to other professional magicians to say, this is what I have. I've I have this kind of product me speaking in code yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. And um if you're interested in it, yeah, come see it. So um when I went to Blackpool Magic Convention, which is the world's largest magic convention, and I sat down with a guy from Tannins. Tannins is the second oldest magic shop in the world, as far as I'm aware. It was opened in nineteen twenty five by Louis Tannen and it's no longer owned by Tannen's family, but it's right. but uh, the, the the owner um Adam was sitting down and he was the first person I sat down with I showed him my ideas he instantly loved them and said you know what I'll make them my flagship product and he, uh, he he's now bringing, putting it on as a tenant's product and um, so we're in exciting times last a couple of weeks ago we went over, I, they flew me over to New York they put me up in Manhattan and we shot this little uh, uh promo video kind of talked about the design of the product the merchandising side of it and um, yeah it's, it's exciting so it's, that's, it's exciting. that's an exciting so burst that, area at the moment yeah yeah like, it is so. it is and I, I fully I'm I like I don't like bigging anything up but I I, I really do believe in the product like I mm. really because I've worked I've worked it for five years sure and it's, uh, for me it's better than anything else that ever mm. came out before so it, kind of takes a lot of problems away that would have been there before yeah. um, or at least for me it does and uh, it's the people that have seen it so far yeah, they, they, they're really liking it so and when you started working on that did you have a vision of that becoming a product that could no. be no, See, that's no it was the for thing, me isn't it? like, it's yeah, for me yeah, yeah. it was designed around me working and that's what it was designed for mm. um, and uh, and that's how that's why I'm so confident in it because yeah, yeah. I've worked it to I've worked it over a thousand times before Brilliant. before anybody before any other magician knew it existed hmm. excellent so I think we're up to present day I just want to maybe talk a little bit about your goals aspirations for the future and go to a few kind of rapid fire questions and I know we're going to do a trick near the end yeah yeah, we cool, can do yeah which I'm looking forward to, to being bamboozled by um, what's what's your kind of ambitions going forward for the future what, where, does, where do you see it going in I uh, three five and I, I don't like the whole corporate three to five year type thing but 
how far do you look ahead or, or you know do you plan ahead a little bit I do plan ahead yeah um, so right now um, I've taken upon myself to uh, produce an, a, a new promotional DVD which I've just started last week so that'll take up some time before it's ready um, and that's just to promote let's say the short term the, the long term plan everybody thinks that the the evolution of a magician's success is, is you know go from where I am now to stage to TV or what have you mm. and the truth is I'd be honest with you and I could be talk- I'm not interested in, in standing in the Everman Palace doing a magic show I'm right. not interested in doing a TV magic show uh, I think where I am at the moment is for right now it's just really it's such a good life balance for me yeah that I can't see myself doing anything else other than this yeah. in this format for a long time um and hopefully it will stay that way mm. um, by choice. And uh, so I think um, my goals, uh, obviously as a performer, to grow stronger uh, and better. But I, I still want to work in the same space. Yeah, I th- this is where I want. This is where I'm very comfortable. Yeah. So I think that answers the question around work-life balance. It seems like you have a good a good mix at the moment. Yeah. 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 I do. I really do because. Like it is a busy schedule. I do work in a busy schedule, um, but um, it never feels like work. And the other thing is, it almost feels so. Right, there's a part of my uh, time management which isn't up to me, and there's a part which is. Yeah. The part that isn't up to me is the um, my working schedule. Yeah, that's pre-booked. It's done. I have that time. I have to work at that time, and that's it. It's no longer up to me. I hand it over my time. I've booked it for you, and mm. that's it. But everything else that needs done, I do it my own time. Mm. And um, um, how do you approach your productivity in that? Though, when you have that free time, is it, it intuition? Sorry, whenever I feel the burst come on, okay, okay. I, I I don't know what triggers it. Yeah, I don't know how it comes. I I don't know how it, it comes. I think that if you tell yourself right. It's Wednesday morning, so that's my that's my creative slot. I have to go upstairs and be creative. You're it not going to be very creative. That's not yeah, how yeah. creativity works. Mm. Um, so I just go whatever I'm feeling at the moment. But the thing is, I do tend, I'm, uh, I, I I tend to be interested in a lot of things. So I divide my time between a lot of different things. So number mm. one is I told you about my magic promo. Um, um, I was going to call it DVD, but um, video. Yeah. Um, like that's I'm very interested in videography and photography, and I'm shooting right. that myself. And You're doing so, yourself. Okay, so cool. it's like, um, so these are all things that I'd be researching naturally throughout the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. But I do it myself. Nothing feels like work. It's just I, I work on my own. Yeah. On my own schedule that way. But do you leave? So I'm like I have to do lists for the next two weeks, and I'm off for the next two weeks, mm-hmm. which is kind of there's almost it. It's a uh, it doesn't sit that right with me. So because I'm trying to completely enjoy my time off but I have still a lot of stuff that I, I want know. to get done and it's all it's all this good yeah, stuff yeah I, I don't work great deadlines um, yeah. but I have deadlines like my video has to be done by September because that's where I'll be promoting most and, and right. so on so it's like uh, yeah I will work to a deadline um, and I will try to do as much as I can and I find that I I'm not my happiest when I don't have something to focus on mm-hmm. so I nearly always have something to focus on mm-hmm. I'm nearly always looking at something, but there's not. It's a, it is a loose structure. It's, there loose. Is, it's a loose structure. Yeah. I can't tell what I'm going to be creative or when I get when I. I'm on a buzz at the moment from something, which is first off. I'm going to sidetrack here very quickly. Yeah, I know I'm cool. rambling on a lot. No, but, no, it's all good. Um, 
the podcast one percent better I, I i love the name it's absolutely brilliant because you're not asking someone to be the best you're asking them to be a better version of themselves which is the, the marginal gains you I know think, yeah. yeah and it's 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 uh, such a nice concept and uh, i listened to your um podcast with ben the three-time world champion memory, the memory champion yeah, yeah, the memory yeah, yeah. Champion. <laughs> and uh he was great it was a great He's podcast a great laugh, so like, fair play yeah, to. so yeah. congratulations on that and congratulations on, on, on this so far but the, just to go back to the one percent better um i've been using mnemonics for something in particular that i've just been toying around with for, to do with magic obviously okay. uh, and just listening to that podcast hasn't made me one percent better it's made me like 99 percent brilliant so, excellent uh, you know so that's, i know that went off no, topic no, no, there and, and i but, i promised ben at the end of that that i would do the the card count um yeah the the, the memory palace for a deck of cards which i haven't got around to doing but i'm planning to do it on the two yeah. vacation that i'm on um because i've just always been fascinated in, in that he was so funny in that like he doesn't apply any of those practices to day-to-day life yeah. he just does it for the sh- for, for the, the competitions yeah, 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 and whatever yeah. he, like. he was real frank and honest kind of a very very just, straight just, up just, guy, such, like. such a such a good but such a, um listen. but um i don't know how we went off on a tangent i know that, that was my fault i'm no, sorry no, no, I put no, that cool. in. No, I uh, so good. i was talking about um being creative and getting out certain buzz yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you've 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 re-energized me just by listening to that podcast okay. and if I, I was doing the mind palace and i was doing it the way it was being um taught in this particular publication and i it just forced me to think a little bit differently on it and uh, taking some of ben's advice on it and now i've changed a little bit and immediately uh, rattling wow. it off and wow, it was because wow, wow. he's so doubled doubled the two two things together was his thing wasn't it so it was interesting um i think the thing that changed it most for me was i was using objects belong to somebody else and he was using he was saying that he was using techniques where he'd use people interacting with other people and objects and i thought that's a good idea that's so easy to remember <laughs> so i've replaced something with people and now there are people that are known to me so now all i got to do is think about that person which brings me back to where i needed to be within this yeah, performance yeah, yeah. whatever and it was instant it was wow. like oh my god cool. I had to work all the other times to do it and the reason I had to work was because the objects that I was using had nothing to do with me they had something to do with someone else the, per- the, per- the per- person that published it so uh, oh, it was great so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's made you more productive as well like so that, I yeah, how yeah, you're yeah, approaching yeah, things yeah. I, I've really taken you off your list here so sorry no no no, no that's hey, I, I like that feedback it's good yeah no um, if you haven't listened to that podcast it was really enjoyable it really yeah. was yeah, what a, he was in a video, music video as well. Did yeah, you the, the DJ, DJ Shadow, Shadow. And, and, uh, and it shows his all his images that he uses for I his memory palace. It. I had a quick look at it. I was like, it's bonkers, but you know, fair play to him. Was there ever a time where you got disillusioned? And I know that's kind of almost uh, even the word illusion, but disillusioned with the whole area. Was there ever a point where you said, "Fuck, this maybe isn't something I want to pursue"? Or that has to be a natural thought in every that has to be a natural path in everybody's business at some point or somewhere yeah um, I'm very grateful where I am I think I have a really good balance going on at the moment um, but sometimes that can be taken for granted yeah what I find is I don't ever get to that point where you're talking about but I do get to like if I'm not being productive in some way it's the worst place for me to be mm. it, it is the worst place because I slow down and I, I, it could stop so thankfully I haven't been that way but like it's not i just find that um if i'm not focused on something i'm always trying to discover something mm. i'm always something to push uh that my problem is i probably take on too much i think mm. so i um, and then would that put extra pressure on you because yeah, you're not I, I, chipping I put away pressure on myself yeah yeah but yeah. the good thing is like when it comes down to it when i go to work or whatever you my you know i have i have my foundation mm. my foundation is sorted yeah yeah you know um 
And it's always just adding to it. So really, it's always yeah. just adding to it. It's yeah. always just like so. What I'm saying is like uh, I'm never. It, it's never going to be get to a place where it's going to just kind of interfere with my work. You know, when when I go there and perform, mm. I never let it get. Like look, it's entertainment. It's fun. Um, I I'm lucky enough to when I work, I'm working in an area where people are having fun Absolutely. and enjoying themselves anyway. Yeah. So it's almost like the, the difficult part of my job as opposed to someone else that has a difficult job you know I can't yeah. I can't sit here and talk about the bad sides of it in that mm. way you know because it's not it's yeah. not it's not difficult when you know how you know it's not um, frustrating it's not the hardest part of my job when mm. I go to work the things I worry about right I had a worry yes what day are we Monday, Saturday um, I had a gig in Tralee and I had a gig in Bantry right slightly miscalculated and I like there to be at least 45 minutes bleed time between each. Okay. And I had five. Wow. Okay. No um, time to ramp up. So is it you have to get, you have to, for that 45 minutes, is it kind of a prep well, time thing, timer? No, it's something for me to be comfortable with, to go in, pop my head in, have a look at the No, saying right. that, saying that, what I will say is this, every time I take on a gig uh, in my diary, it's 45 minutes in advance as well. Right. So I put all these measures in that the worst case scenario happens then it's fine right but it's just outside my comfort zone when it isn't so uh, I book a wedding in for let's say the after dinner entertainment right so this is the part where the meal is finished the speeches are finished the cake is cut and the band are setting up and they're moving tables around there's that like natural lull mm-hmm. right there's that void in the evening yeah uh, and this is a great time for me because yeah. everybody's at their tables I sit at each table and I do five minutes ten minutes at each each table right mm. um, but that goes into my diary at eight o'clock but there's like very few times you start at 8 o'clock you always start at half a state a half a state should be the start time right but it goes into my diary at 8 o'clock yeah 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 um, so I have all these kind of safety nets of no matter what happens that you're always you know you won't be caught out too much so they're the things I worry about mostly mm. you know that's my stressful part yeah you know? like um, the actual performance is there ever like not ever time but sometimes where you didn't feel like you nailed the performance or yeah, did you go down of to course, it still of course, happens like, of course yeah yeah, yeah 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 mainly because I'm human you know mm. yeah of course you, you go out there you, you you do something you kind of think now the thing is that nobody else I don't think they see it like that okay. I think I'm always going to be my hardest critic yeah I'm always and I'm always trying to get the best I, I and I really am I, I mean that like yeah. you know uh, um, this happened and I owe a huge thank you to my mother-in-law, uh, Hannah, for this. Get that in. I, I, and I have to say that because she yeah. was very good. Cool. I went to a gig about a month ago in Killarney. They were digging up Lazarda and a few things happened on the way. Uh, but I got there early, opened the back of my car, and my case wasn't in it. Oh, God. And I'm starting in 20 minutes. Right. And now I'm panicking. Yeah. Now I have a backup case. I was going to say, where's the backup? Yeah. There's a backup case. Right. This is a strange, this is a weird lesson. This is a good lesson, right? Good tip. And it's kind of lined into this. Yeah. So I, I, I phone home and Hannah, without, she's on the way with right. the case. I'm thinking, should I do it? Okay. Okay, are you sure? Yes, she's coming down. So fair play to her. So Hannah got, no, she didn't make it down in time. Yeah. But it didn't matter. She still did it. But, that gig with the backup case which has a lot of different things I don't normally perform and some things I might perform yeah ended up in my best gig to date wow and the lesson there is is sometimes it, for me it was I put too much emphasis on this comfort 
foundation mm-hmm. that you have mm-hmm. that a big part of the performance the big part of the performance is is you yeah. is you, you as a person is is the communicating part mm. the magic is is a huge part of it yes it is I still had magic yeah. I still had um, I still but it was the best gig I did to, to date wow um, because you weren't expecting having to do these you had to almost refocus even more in no, some of those I think no it's because I knew that it was going to be about I had to um, I had to uh, I had to dig deep performance mode to build my own confidence up okay the, 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 no, the stuff I was performing was solid it was, yeah. it was solid but it was, it was outside my comfort zone in the sense that like I didn't have all my own you were thrown off track. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. have all my. No, it was fifty percent of what I normally had, but it meant that I had to put everything into my performance. Mm. I had to put everything into my performance. Okay. Uh, and it was a less. It was a huge lesson for me. Mm. It was a huge lesson for me because some things that I might not put value in, uh, I, I found out that they actually have huge value. So maybe could it be where you leave the two cases and you kind of random randomize which one you bring so you don't even know till you get to yeah, the gig so you could almost what, keep what, yourself on edge. What, what I've started to do recently now as well is. Um, it's just juggling things up just just for myself but this is all going back to giving myself what you're trying to achieve is 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 not like um do a different gig each time what have you but is 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 just to put more emphasis on the performance than the actual the magic tricks that you're doing yeah um so it's it's just and i think when you do a better performance for me that's a gauge of communication mm. it's better communication mm. um so yeah, so if you're not sure, like um, what I've done now is normally I used to arrive, let's say, with 90% of my stuff, what I want to do, mm. everything is there so I can go any direction I want to go. Yeah. Uh, now I might juggle that up and say, right, I'm not going to do this today mm. because I want to focus more on this and I'll explore something that I've been doing a long time and it will just force me to explore it a bit a bit more, yeah, see yeah. how deep you can go with it. It's interesting. I'm actually looking for a book that I'm going to give you before you leave there oh. and it's called it was given to me a few years ago I think it's there somewhere but it's it's about many people communicate but few connect and it's almost taking communication to the next level of connecting yeah and it's, it's a good read yeah remind me just before you, you go yeah and give brilliant it, pull it out but it just I, I was just picking up when you're talking about communication because I was thinking where can you the idea of being perfect right I don't believe in perfection I no. believe in excellence and yeah that's always striving to or but you're never maybe giving exactly. yourself a hard time for not getting there and how can you continually improve your performance? Like, where can it get to? Do you think is there is there a target? Like, has it, you know, are you at seventy percent of? Do you think of where you could go with your performance? Um, I don't know what percentage, but I definitely. I hope I never like as you say. Like, you never want to get there. Like, because when you get there, what happens? You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. It just it becomes boring for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so a book that kind of changed for me because you mentioned books. Um, that that um, the talk like Ted. Um, I have it there. Actually. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a great book. That yeah. was that that was a way that that changed my thinking on performance. Right, and, and how because um, uh, there's a section in that where it talks about like you can give all the most horrifying mm. facts and stats, but unless you personalize it, yeah, it will hit home. Yeah, so yeah, once yeah. you make it a story, it hit home. It hits home. Mm-hmm. So now when I what I've done was of course and and people. If you talk about something that's a a story that's real, sometimes you force people to connect with a memory that they might have not connected with, and that's another level of mm-hmm. that's another level of communication. Yeah, especially for magic, mm-hmm. uh, because now you have everybody in a 
certain place which will enhance the magic which mm. will enhance the mystery yeah and I think as well just when you're talking about it there magic uh, there's something childlike about magic yeah and everybody probably remembers the first trick they've ever seen and it brings them back to a place where they're like children again yeah and there's that sort of yeah. awe and wonder I think yeah. that ties into you it. say this and this is going back to Ted and everything else uh, there's a few things in my performance where I actually and before I just thought oh, that wouldn't have any weight and that'd be boring for them um, but I actually tell them how I actually came to own a pack of cards which has a bit of a story to it mm-hmm. uh, which goes back to an old magician um, who's not with us anymore but is the most influential magician of all time right and uh, there's the section that trick uh, the payoff is at the very end and nothing happens until the very end mm-hmm. but everybody's captivated by it because of the story what it means yeah because I think that once you show someone something has value to yourself absolutely I think people just they, they, they tap into that you know and they might think I, I don't know where I was going with that one <laughs> No, but it it's is it's kind of connected back into yeah, what's yeah. It's just going back to these stories where I think that, like you know, when something is genuine and it's a genuine story, it becomes a more genuine piece of magic. Yeah, I think that's really what I'm getting to. And I only started to think like that after I wrote the book, the Talk Like Ted. Yeah, that's Talk mad. Like Ted Talks. Is that what it's called? It's there's there's a Talk Like Ted book there just beside. It's on the second shelf. So that, I think that's it because it it, yeah. it talks about there's a chapter and it starts off with. Um, Bill Gates when he brings out the mosquitoes and stuff like adding kind yeah. of physical stuff to your presentation yeah. and whatnot. But yeah, I know it is. It's it's one of those you kind of need to read a lot as yeah. well to kind of pick yeah. it all up, like lots of books. Um, so you talked about values, right? So mm-hmm. what what would you say your kind of value set are? Have you have you a clear view of what your core values are? What what is a value to you? Is there anything that jumps into mind? Like if I take into, like I said, I work. I, I normally work with this kind of a loose structure. If I'm being honest, mm-hmm. but I go on these bursts. Yeah. So it depends on where I am, where I am, um, what I'm thinking at the time. But I, what what I tend to do is once I go into one thing, I go all into it. it yeah. It, it's it, it's uh, obsession. Um. Yeah, on a healthy level, maybe. Healthy obsession. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But then there's some things that don't stick. Yeah, you know, so yeah, it's, yeah. I, it's it's very loose. I'm I'm being honest here. It, it, it is very loose. So the, going back to that memory thing, I started that memory thing like four years ago, mm. and then I parked it, and I I just left it there, and I got halfway through it, and then I was nearly completing, it and then I parked it again, and then I know. and I kind of thought, you know what, I won't bring it into my performance, and then I thought, I will bring it into my performance, and then I won't bring it in, and now I will again, right? Yeah, because, yeah. Be, because of Ben's podcast, and I will, yeah, um, and it's nothing. It's not the same thing that you've been talking about, but it's in the same family, mm-hmm. um. And I hope I do it now. I hope I do it now. It's like a. I wonder, I You've said like it now, so I have you can, to, yeah, yeah, that's I have normally to. the way with these things. When you say them out loud, it kind of makes it a bit more real as well. Yeah, so I, I think going back to like the, the values I have um, in like everything I do is loose and I go more off of what I'm feeling at the time. Um, so that so intuition fails. is a huge value it is yeah yeah, like yeah. it is that. because I think that's the, with creativity that's the way it is anyway if you mm. want to kind of bring something in what I'm not interested in doing is taking something off the shelf and performing it yeah. you know or taking something off and saying this is this is a trick that I can buy and go and perform and not making it your own yeah. so obviously years ago you would have been influenced by other magicians and you would have somewhat replicated some but I think eventually you find your own way and I mm. think I'm at the point of my life now where I am after finding my own way a little bit mm. and everything works towards that mm. so if I look at something I say that is really good he does that so well how can I take something from that and 
take an element of it maybe and put it into my performance and make it me. Yeah. And that's probably what I look at now. So, and and I think that makes things harder as well. So, yeah. Um, I, I, it, I I'm, I'm not really answering your question about yeah. where the value is in that, but it's, it, it, it's, it's because that it's, it, it is a very loose structure. Yeah. Working. No, I think intuition is the thing I, I took most out of it because yeah. that's something that is a lot of people are, don't tap into or, or acknowledge that much. And it brings me on to the next question of, how how do you make decisions or how how is there do you have a, a process for making decisions or even is there any hard decisions that come into mind that 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 sticks out um i do have a couple of people that i heavily rely on okay um i have a great friend in dublin who's um he's a great thinker of magic and uh he he'll always come at something at a new angle and i know if i run something by him he'll pick up on something different and we then kind of fight, like argue about what's right, what's wrong. Okay. We, go, we go back and forth and we always land somewhere else that nobody had thought of uh, as in, in our conversation. Um, and then um, there's a few people at home that I would really um, like. I really value my wife's opinion. Okay. Um, and so I think that she's she's very clever. Cool. Um, and uh, she's if I come at something somewhere for example um, I'm doing this voiceover for this promo video that I'm and uh, one of the lines in the voiceovers from a young age I've been obsessed with with that feeling of wonder and she no I don't like it you know and she and I what's wrong I said that's that's like a brilliant line what's wrong (sighs) obsessed it's a negative word okay use the word loved I thought that is so clever and yeah, it's so small yeah. but it's so yeah. clever you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and I just thought you know that that that's the reason why I ask her these questions cool. they pick up on something that I completely overlooked there I am saying I'm upset and she goes, why are you using that word obsessed it's not it's a negative it's a and she used the word loved you know okay. and I just thought like that might seem so small yeah. but for me that made me giggle like that that's like yeah. that's that's clever mm-hmm. that's someone else kind of looking at something that you've delivered to them analyze it and throw it back over at you and she knew that in a flash she just did that just thinking yeah, about it I, yeah, what, yeah. and I said what don't you like what I don't know and you know it was just like obsessed why do you have to use that you know she knew she just did mm. it straight away and it was just uh, I really really like that I just thought you know that mm. that's there's small things like that yeah. you know so there's a few people um, that I run things by so I'll get something to a certain stage and say okay I want to present something to you here's what I'm thinking and uh, I let they'll always have a new they'll always throw something in that will change my way of thinking. Yeah. So um, I don't take credit for every, for all the things that I that I do. But uh, yeah, so I think that, that that's a good... So there's collaboration, I guess, in your decision-making. Yeah, yeah, you know? there is. There is huge, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then you, then you go and you work in the real world and you see what you get back as well, you know? Mm. So... Okay. Do you recall any one piece of advice that sticks out that you've been given along your journey so far that uh, stays with you so I like that idea of of um, of find your own way I think that's good I think it's it's when you're practicing in anything you're going to find it very difficult not to like simulate someone else or to emulate someone else or to um, and I think that like that's inevitable you will go through that phase but like if you stick at something you'll definitely start finding your own way and I'm really only feeling that in the past couple of years you know that I'm, mm. I'm really after finding my own way I'm really structured in 
how I approach, you know, I can't do this, can't do this, this doesn't fit in, this doesn't fit into my criteria. I do have that now. Yeah. Where I wouldn't have had before. I just, I like this, so I'll do it. I like this, so I'll do it. Cool. But now it has to fall into this kind of little bit of a... Um, and that's a feeling. Uh, feeling it, thing? It, it is. It, it is a feeling thing, yeah. 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 And it could, it could very much be physical as well, in the sense that, um, you know, if if it's a performance that I could only do if I'm standing up, I, I won't do it anymore because now I like to sit down. Right. Um, where before I would have never sat down. I said, oh, you can't sit down. That's the guest space. Yeah, But yeah, then, yeah. Um, like they said, the after dinner section, yeah. normally go around to the tables. Years ago, I would have stood outside the table and performed into the circle the problem with that is if you step back and you look at that from the outside, it doesn't look, it's not a very good balanced image. You have one person standing, speaking to everybody else, looking down while everybody else is seated and you're crouched over and you're looking at your hands and you're trying to communicate with everybody. Yeah. And you can only see, you know, natural mm-hmm. eye level is only about 50% of your audience. Now, if it's, if, if it can be done, the first thing I'll do is I'll sit myself at the table and I become part of the group. Right. Um, and this is all done within my introduction and the different introduction techniques I have within the table. And if anything that I'm doing can't be performed within that space, I don't do it. It's not in my act anymore. Right. So right. that's what I mean by that, that kind of, that, that structural performance style there. And it all goes back to one thing, is, and I've mentioned a few times, is, is just a communicating thing. Yes. And it's just, I want to become that better communicator. Hmm. And I think that when I become the better communicator, people... Uh, enjoy my performances a bit more did you end up recording sessions videos that you've been doing to kind of reflect on that because i know you mentioned that a couple of times you look back on it was it true recording seeing how you worked the room was that the yeah, best way of doing I, it? I did from video i didn't do it like intentionally but i did yeah. have some video footage of me um from videographer friends and people because the wedding industry is a small industry and it's an industry that i'm sure heavily embedded into and um, so you, you'll find yourself I find it like very difficult to watch myself anyway I don't like you know but when I have forced myself to watch watch myself yeah there's, there's lots I don't like mm-hmm. uh, and that's probably have prompted me to say right this is this is not right what is the right way mm. this is the right way and then whenever I had been seated at a table and had a captive audience it just felt so right, right. And I thought, that's it that's what I need to get but before I would have been embarrassed to do that because I would have felt like that I was encroaching yeah I'm pulling myself into group and I'm taking over but it's no longer like that if everybody knows the situation and you ask their permission to do that or do you say I do yeah so everything is social first and then performance second mm. so you got to perform uh, so anything that happens first uh, has to be on a social level so I introduce myself I tell you why I'm here what my job is yeah and you know it, it almost it feels like there's a bit of a choice given rather than kind of ambush you and take over. Mm. And that's the way I kind of view it. So yeah, I go to each group and I uh, I have this little intro piece. Essentially what you want to get to is the point where you're sitting down and on the same eye level, uh, on the same eye level as everybody else. Yeah. And you can glance around the room and speak to everybody at mm. once. You can't do that when you're standing outside the group mm. from behind. Mm-hmm. Nor is it kind of... Uh, it doesn't make me feel right anymore. Yeah. I know this was that was a question around advice. So what what was the piece of advice that that you had been given? I can't remember. Even. My God, I really go off, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> so I just um, forget myself. So but was... I suppose um, Paul Daniels gave me advice, and that was never leave your money on the dressing room table. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure where he was going with that, but he stuck with you anyway. I think that he was robbed once oh, uh, right, when he was okay. on stage. <laughs> I think that's where when it's he was in one of those working men's so, clubs. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it. And uh, he's been giving that advice to everybody ever since. Okay, um, cool. 
I suppose who do you look up, up to most in the world of uh, of magic and magicians right now? There's there's just hundreds of people you see because they yeah. all have different qualities. Mm. So um, there's a guy in England. Uh, he's really really good technically, and I really like the way he thinks. Um, ben Earl, and uh, he, like he's a technical genius. He's really really good. Then there's other elements that from someone else that I think is better. Um, so there's this huge Babel. I used to, I, I loved watching Babel work. Look him up. Um, he's on YouTube, I presume. He's, isn't on, he's on yeah, YouTube. He's yeah. just, he just the way he handles cards is just so nice. It's mm. so elegant, mm. and uh, you know, there's, I, I like that soft touch cool. in performance. I like something that looks effortless, mm. and I think that's what I'm drawn to. So yeah, they, these guys are. And, and of course Darren Brown Darren Brown is like you know if you're looking at people that would you know people want to relate to through the podcast Darren Brown is 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 like he, you're not going to see anybody better mm. uh, on a stage yeah. if you have a chance to go see any of his shows they're always great they're always superb yeah the tricks yeah. of the mind book is meant to be very good I haven't read yeah. it but I've been recommended it by I can't remember who a couple of couple of people not yeah. on this show but just in general to, to, to get to read it yeah he, he he's published like magic books as well that like for magicians that you won't buy in shops that are okay that are kind of like under the radar type stuff yeah but they're they're really well regarded like you know okay. yeah cool so. uh, last question then we'll do the tricks so I'm dying to do the trick right. so I'd like to wrap up with a question around success mm-hmm. what what does success mean to you and and are you meeting what that is right now Yes, uh, in some way I am. I feel like I said it's work-life balance, okay. and I have this really good work-life balance at the moment. Um, I think I'm blessed with some regard uh, that you know with my family, um, who are very supportive, and I am fortunate enough that my working hours normally my performance end is where I have where I have to leave the house, yeah. and that's normally from a, a Thursday to Sunday that sometimes might be two days one week with, with five or six gigs or it could be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday another week but what it means is that it's like everybody else goes to work five days a week I go to work two days a week and get to spend the rest at home alright I still work in but I'm sure. doing things on my schedule yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know um, which means I'm when I set myself a deadline it has to be a really long deadline because it takes me ten times as long to do anything as anybody else because you know someone might ring I'll come down the stairs I'll talk to someone else I'll play with you know the kids yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. might happen uh, but that, I'm, I'm blessed for that though you know I, yeah, I feel yeah. I feel grateful for that that um, that you know what like I do get a lot of time at home and mm. uh, there is there is a good I have a good balance there yeah. that I'm very happy with uh, so that's that's the first thing I'd be very happy if I stayed at this level for Mm. the rest of my working life I, I really would um, sure. I'm always going to try to try, try to go on this upward um, trend let's say I'm always going to try to get better and better and better and try to go mm-hmm. further up and get you know uh, but what's good as well is uh, magic is a hobby first and it's a business second mm. and I naturally study magic Yeah. but when I study magic it brings my performance up yeah. so it kind of it's, it's this nice nice circle of yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it makes total sense. I, as I said, I can relate just because mm. through coaching and psychology stuff I've done the last year, it was something I've been reading for all my life until I'm still reading it, but I was able to turn it into a diploma and kind of do you know do it to talk yeah. to people. So yeah, that's uh, that's the dream, I guess. Great. But it sounds like you're in a great place. Yeah. No, I really am. I'm uh, like I say, I'm very very happy where it is at the moment, and uh, I just want to. 
keep it going that way I suppose just to maybe give a shout out to how people can get in touch with you and yeah. you know your site and, and any any social way that they can do that give, Great. give that out yeah um, so my website is corkmagician.ie mm-hmm. um, so you can contact me through there my phone number is there as well um, email which is info at corkmagician.ie again be the website you can get that um, I have a Facebook page that's quite active um, and that's Jared Carney the magician um, I'm starting to use Instagram I know you've mentioned Instagram yeah. I'm starting to use it now as well uh, yeah. and Twitter I don't use Twitter all that much anymore being honest mm. um, I my focus is really around Facebook but I'm, I am going to try to push the Instagram yeah, as I say, it's, it's beautiful from the point of view for what you do you could do you know a trick for yeah. X amount of seconds and post it and from Instagram you can send to both Facebook and uh Twitter at the same time Great. so you can kind of post it but but yeah I think for you and even for just even talking about podcasts and stuff it, yeah. it's a good platform for doing that like yeah. so yeah. yeah cool definitely going to get get on the Instagram thing brilliant let's do this trick I'm okay. looking forward to this now um, no pressure so yeah this we might have to edit this out no we won't we won't so um, we can if we I know to, I, so basically magic is uh, nearly all my magic because it's close up and it's quick it means that most of it's visual so yeah. I just wanted to think of something I could do for you that might translate through yeah uh, through the podcast here sure. so um, I have a copy of the times here you can see the date on that there actually oh so, there's something and there's falling some, out of it okay, there let's okay let's actually so the date okay Wonderful. Yeah, no, that's, it's fine. I just want to make sure it is. It is. Yeah. It, you know, it's not. It's, uh, yeah, I see I, water for celebrating after oh, being in court need, yesterday. And there, then so. you have these supplements as well. So, do you want to just um, take this? Mm-hmm. Okay. I moved away from the mic there, so I'm not sure. If yeah, you can no, just, it's still fine. If you can flick through, and I want you to end up on a page that has lots of words and lots of text rather than just pictures. Uh, I'm gonna try to tilt myself away so I'm not looking directly at you Uh, and you can like verify that I'm not looking directly at you but I'm still keeping my mouth towards the microphone here but um, what I want you to do just one page or does it have to be two or does it matter whatever you like eventually we're going to narrow this down so I want you to pick pick one pick one page you could be the right hand side left hand side and I want you in your mind I want you to start reading you can read like from left to right from right to left you can read from the top down from the bottom up you can start in the centre you can go any direction you want basically but eventually I want you to stop and just focus on one of the words that you see now don't make it a word that's in every publication like and the is of okay. you know make it uh, make it let, let's see this as a challenge a challenging let's say it's more than six letters right okay so the bigger the better yeah. Uh, and when you have that close the magazine but remember the word okay Okay. you can change your mind as many times as you like but eventually <laughs> you're to focus on just that one word I've actually changed my mind a few times already but um, good close up the okay. magazine well, you've settled on one I have, I have one, word, one word now good close and up and you said sorry how many you said greater than six yeah okay let me change it sorry yeah, there was uh, there wasn't six in that one so um, uh, got it Close up. No, you have it. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, perfect. Okay, so what I want you to do now is just focus on one letter. So if we go with the first letter of that word, mm-hmm. I'm going to go through the alphabet. Now, you're interested in psychology, so you could be the worst person that I could try for this. But I'm going to go through the alphabet, and eventually I'll hit 
the letter that you're thinking of. Okay. All right. And you're to put on this poker face. I'm okay. very conscious of my eyes and tweaking. Yes, up, I know down you are. Right, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let me go through. Uh, the first one might be difficult, but as I, it's a learning curve, right? Okay. So the second one might become a bit easier. And so A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P. So. For the people at home, you start smiling earlier on, and I think you start smiling to kind of throw for a couple of reasons. Number one, to kind of just throw me off a little bit, but also to mask when I do hit your letter. If I was going to hit it, kind of in five or six letters, did I say your letter there? No, no. Hmm. Where was I? L M N O P Q R S T U V W X Y Z. What was your first letter? Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, S. It was S. Mm. Okay. Now I have to think back to what your tell is. Okay. And I think it's harder to backtrack, obviously, but let's go to the next letter. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S. Was the second letter P? (laughs) Yes. Good. Okay. Let's go again. The next letter again. Okay. A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O O O O. Good. Okay. It was O. It was O. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Let's just change it. Could you do me a favor and just think of the word completely? Mm hmm. It's the word you're thinking of sportsmanship? <laughs> yes. Fuck. How did you do uh, That's bonkers. Yeah? Yeah? Mm. Great. That's uh, very impressive. I... I don't know what to say. I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> I can't, can't really figure that out at all. Yeah. I was doing my damnedest not to, to yeah, flicker I, I thought. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought I'd get the, the S as well. Being honest, I, I thought I'd get the first letter without your help, but you. I just noticed by when you were going past, when you were going through it, I I, I kind of noticed I definitely didn't flicker when no. you said S. I was very steadfast, but no. So a lot of people what good. they do is they'll try to send a false trigger outside those, and they'll do it like nearly miles away. And I mm. think that's what happened on the S because I know you definitely triggered on the D. Where you start smiling and I was just giggling, I think, about and the I whole think, thing. Like, about, yeah. yeah, but I think that that could have been used also as a mask to where you off. was. Um, maybe, yeah, I don't think you were intentionally trying to show me off. But just, no, I was just trying yeah. to be as poker as possible. Yeah. That's brilliant. Is is that something, uh, <laughs> is that hard to learn, that one? Not that I'm going to ask you how to do yeah. it, but yeah, I suppose it, it, it is. is. I yeah. suppose, I mean, everything is difficult. To, to, it's you know it, 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 it's, of course it's, it is it's, it's hard to say because like when you're dealing with kind of secrets and everything else that's it's, brilliant it's almost like um, you know you can't say too much about it you know but sure. yeah it is, it is difficult it is difficult yeah no like yeah I don't know what to say I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm big into this whole world uh, and very very impressed with that you uh, you nailed it I was because the word I had before was green and right. I thought that would have been too linked to Rob mm. of the Green and the whole podcast stuff. And there wasn't six letters, or was there five letters? But anyway, I moved away from it. Man, that was brilliant. Cheers. And I am honestly saying that was 
you know, without doubt, one of my favorite podcasts so far. Oh wow! <laughs> Thanks so much for for the the time uh, and the great no story. It's been really interesting no to to know about I, it. I, I'm, uh, you know, depending on what we put this together, I'm going to apologize now for. Uh, veering off <laughs> right hey, veering off left. this is going to I stay. went off topic a couple of times but um, I, I tend to not do much editing unless there's a lot of me kind of splurting because I generally have a head cold but uh, no this is going to be minimal I'll be listening to it right. on a train probably you know going from Bratislava to Zagreb or something like that <laughs> as you do yeah, as yeah. you do I'll be probably reading a, yeah. a book on mind, uh, mentalism as well just yeah. trying to really make people go freaky but um, looking forward to listening to it back putting it together and yeah. getting it out there Jared, thanks so much no again problem. thank you really thank appreciate you very much it. cheers thank thanks, you thanks man thanks for having me okay just before you go two minutes I hope you listen just give me two minutes okay so number one the newsletter I'd love if you signed up. I have over a thousand sign-ups. You'll get a note just before an episode's released every week. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. It's on the site. Click on the homepage and you can sign up from there. Number two, the podcast is growing. Listeners are going up and up. And I'd like to continue to do so. So, would you be interested in supporting what I do? No obligations, but I've set up a Patreon page, which uh, is something a lot of podcasters are doing and other artists, I say loosely, and you can support it by donating for per an episode or, or just in general. That would help me improve marketing, improve everything I guess I'm doing and try and maybe even get to the point where I can get a guest or two on and pay them for their time so that would be great if you think there's some value in listening to the show maybe you'd like to instead of buying that seventh cup of coffee during the week you could donate the two or three euros to the show totally up to yourself if you've got richer by the one percent better podcast maybe you could donate and help it grow and how do you do so you just go to the support page on the website click on support you'll see the patreon image click there and it's pretty straightforward after that okay that's that what is your story what are you getting from the show if anything send me a note email me about that i would love to read out your story be it anonymous or whatever if you want your name read out and uh, that'll hopefully help others get something from it as well so that's really the the value the show is bringing you can get in touch through email it's at rob at rob of the green twitter facebook instagram at rob of the green i'm on linkedin under my own rob o'donoghue name persistence is key with this in the last few weeks i have increased numbers and that's just through marketing through pushing things a little bit more i'm going to keep doing that and get it out there more people are hearing it i'm gone over two minutes i know that if you have any ideas for guests that you'd like me to interview i'm all ears get in touch and finally thank you so much for listening and telling people about it and liking it and sharing it it's so nice to get a an email from somebody i don't know and they tell me that they've got something from the show makes it all worthwhile i'm going to keep doing it i'm enjoying it and i'm going to say good luck thank you bye